0: Welcome to the Seneca Podcast, a weekly discussion of current affairs in China, coming to you from a pop-up Chinese studio here in Beijing. I'm Kaiser Guo, joined, of course, by the notorious Yumi of Danway.com fame. How are you, sir? Good evening, Kaiser. I'm doing very well once again. Oh, good, good, good. Well, today we are talking about Chinese film, which, to our collective astonishment, is something we've actually not covered all that much in the nearly, what, four years that we've been doing Seneca. Um... I think we did that one with Jonathan Landreth but that was mainly about, about um, collaborations. Thing. No, no, it was about, about co-productions. co-production. Co-production, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and I wasn't there for that so it didn't really count. <laughs> so, but we are very <laughs> fortunate.
1: That was a very good episode. Yeah. <laughs> so. Listen to that. Thank you, Raymond. I'm joking.
0: <laughs> we are very fortunate to have with us today one of China's best-known film critics, Raymond Zhou or Zhou Liming. Uh, Raymond recently published an excellent book in English titled A Practical Guide to Chinese Cinema, 2002 to 2012. Raymond is also a frequent commentator on all sorts of cultural phenomena in China. You might know him from his column in the China Daily. And in the time that I've known him, he's always been one of the wittiest and most insightful observers of contemporary culture in China. So Raymond, warm welcome to Seneca. It's long overdue.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Long time listener.
0: (laughs) First time caller (laughs) First time participant uh, We are also delighted to welcome back The the guy you just heard, uh, Seneca regular David Moser Academic director of the CET program Here in Beijing, a witty and insightful Cultural commentator on his own as well Uh, Great to have you back David Mm,
3: Thank you so much Kaiser
0: (laughs) Are we going to do this whole thing (laughs) Okay, anyway. So Raymond, um, let me just jump right in and ask you a first question. So you grew up here in China, and then you went to the States for some time and worked, if I'm not mistaken, in technology in the Silicon Valley. Now how the hell did you end up coming back to China and getting started in film criticism? Well,
2: in 1999, there was this internet boom followed by a bust uh, like a year (laughs) later, and I was semi-laid off. And during that time, the internet was really, you know, doing very well in the States, uh, and, uh, but it was just starting in China. And I had a lot of time to go to movies. And I I, I was reading a lot of reviews, especially those ro- written by uh, Roger Ebert. Uh, and I yeah. started writing reviews, and I thought yeah, I, I was writing about technology and business and films at the same time. It's, it just turns out that film is the easiest thing to write about. And so how did you get started? I mean, who were your
0: first Chinese-language um, uh, C- criticisms place, where it isn't like Candying
2: or. Uh, well, Candying is my second platform. I uh, originally uh, uh, started for NetEase. Oh okay. And the oh, NetEase yeah. column uh, uh, was criticized by a lot of people because they thought I was encouraging piracy, watching pirated movies. I said, "There's no way I could get access to." pirated movies in the United States. They didn't know I was living in the States. Ah, I see. And I was able to watch a lot of bunch of new movies every 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 week.
0: And they assumed that you're, they were pirated when, in fact, they...
2: how was the only you way they knew Going to, to the video store those and movies. renting this Well, they they didn't put down Liu Mei, something like that. <laughs> 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 well, a lot of people were flaunting that, you know, uh, uh, Chinese writer living in the States. But at that time, I was living in the States. And uh, um, uh, pretty soon, like within half a year, I got so many... Uh, Offers from different publications, I picked Kandain, which is still the most influential in and widely circulated film magazine in china
0: yeah it's a very very good magazine. I know my wife is a very avid reader of it, and that's actually how I first encountered your your stuff i mean uh she was always telling me about this jolie Ming jolie Ming this guy anyway um I just I want to talk about the the history of film I mean you you've watched it develop um well from the at least from the the late 90s but um you know, it goes back further than that. One thing that, that we have a convention, we, we talk about generations of filmmakers here. Uh, for example, Jia Zhangke is a sixth generation filmmaker, and Zhang Yimou and Shun kai Ge are fifth generation. What, what, what does that mean what, when we say generations of filmmakers here?
2: Well, it's mostly the age and when you, you know, graduated from college, from the film academy. And the, I think the, the most uh, uh, accepted uh, is the fifth generation. Uh, which refers to those filmmakers that started in the 1980s uh especially uh Zhang Yimou and oh. the Chen Kaige and, and those in the 90s like started in in the 1990s like Jia Zhangke referred to are still referred to as the sixth generation but much less so and those later younger than he is uh the people There are people who try to use the seventh generation, but it's not widely accepted. And nowadays, you can see filmmakers of the same age bracket but have totally different styles, different interest in subject matters, different uh, um, uh, focus on genres. So I think the term has very limited uh, usage. Okay. Um, I I, I just want to bring up something more current.
0: Uh, Recently, you've had quite a bit of controversy uh, because of a... uh, very scathing review that you wrote about a very popular movie, a pop- movie that's been out recently. I have not seen Tiny Times, Xiao Shidai, but uh, I understand from everyone who I've talked to who, who's, who's seen it that it's, it's an absolutely terrible movie, but, uh, and you, you went out, you, you went ahead and said so. What happened when you, when you, what did you say about this movie? Tell us a little bit about that film and what you said and what happened as a result of your review.
2: Well, it's the, the crassest, most materialistic uh, uh, movie. It's like uh, uh, it's about wealth and essentially says if you don't have wealth and uh, good looks, you, you don't count in this society, which in a sense it is it's true, true. But it's not critical. It's like it flaunts <clears throat> wealth in such a tasteless manner, it just shocked me. And But he, uh, the filmmaker, he is the most money making author in China for probably like seven, eight years already. And it's his first, you know, his Guo, Jingming. Guo <laughs> Jingming. And the, the movie technically is, is very bad. But I knew even before I published the, uh, the, the review that it's going to get like tens of millions of uh, film goers. Because he has the, the biggest fan base in China. Was, and Raymond,
1: tell us about his fan base. It's, is, it, is it mostly teenage, teenage, teenage girls. girls? Yeah, right. teenage girls.
2: Uh, in terms of positioning, it's very close to the Twilight movies. Okay. in the States, which well, they, has got tons of Razzie, golden Razzie. It's
3: been, it's been called Sex in the City without the sex. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the same same sort of idea. Well,
2: yeah. it's basically uh, uh, Sex in the City or Devil Wears Prada without yeah. humor, without <laughs> redemption.
1: And without, aimed at 16-year-old Shanghainese girls.
2: Oh, no. It aims at 16-year-old girls from third-tier third, uh, third tier cities, cities right. who have never been to Shanghai and, Shanghai and uh, they believe Shanghai is this paradise on earth.
1: Where if you get the right guy, then it's Prada forever. Yeah, well,
2: (laughs) I pricked the the, the balloon. I said, you know, if you want to live this kind of life and you don't have talent and you don't work for that, you have to be a concubine. And when I said that, I I offended all those girls, of course. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way you can, you know, you can. So
3: you were attacked online, but it 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 struck me as strange that these teenagers that were watching the film were so passionate about it. In that sense, that they would actually get angry that you attacked their movie. Did they really identify with this
2: movie in such a strong oh, yeah. way? yeah, yes, yeah. They, I mean they, they swarmed to <laughs> uh, to my Weibo, and they like by millions. Uh, and it, it, the, this side is like unimaginable. But it really made me laugh because the, the way they expressed themselves was so um, juvenile. Uh, the, the funny thing was like uh, uh, the, the, the peak of this. Thing it didn't, you know, end with them. It really escalated when some government publications jumped in. And not on your side. That's well, well there, there, was, there, are so many, there were so many twists that it really, uh, <laughs> I think it caught uh, some of the uh, uh, foreign press by surprise. At first, a couple of uh, government publications uh, jumped to his side. In, uh, uh, in favor of his uh, the movie and, min, and, an, right. and one of the uh, government-owned websites attacked me even by name. Wow. It's not just someone say, "Oh, this is a good movie" and praising his movie. It's like, shut up, <laughs> you so-called film critic. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> you so-called public intellectual, shut up. And then, like a week later, there are some other government publications. Voiced their opinions and said, We cannot allow this kind of terrible films to continue. Oh, good. <laughs> and well. that actually put me in a very bad light because they thought I am in favor of banning works that I don't like. I said, I hated this movie, but I'm not. <laughs> but you will defend her. Uh, the, the concu- I, I said, I agree with this reviewer, this in writer, uh, in terms of his opinion on this movie, but I don't feel
1: it's right to ban something because, simply because you don't like it. Sim- it. Simply because it's bad. Isn't China the most difficult country in the world to have an opinion in? <laughs> <laughs> like when, when you have an opinion, yeah, it always gets yeah, you into trouble. Yeah, right, right now, it's most difficult, to be
2: honest, actually, uh, for an artist and all for a critic. For because anyone. Because you can, if you have an opinion, uh, in the old days, you denounce something, uh, you can offend people. Nowadays, even if you praise something, like today, I said Feng Xiaogang's new movie is not bad. I offended like ninety percent of Chinese kind of film critics <laughs> because, because they, they, they all Feng want Xiaogang. to hate
0: it, right? They, yeah. they all have it in
2: for Feng Xiaogang. Why? What 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 has Feng Xiaogang done to offend the mainstream critics? I well, mean- because Feng Xiaogang's movies make money, which makes him, which makes his movies not arty enough uh-huh. in the eyes of European jurors, and they always pick their signals from those three big. Uh, European festival.
0: Right, so this is this is I mean I I have met people who organize European film festivals who have said to me directly and I I I swear to god they've said this they they've said uh there are no movies that come out of China uh that are artistically worthwhile uh that are not dissident movies that are not, you know, banned or 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 whatever. They 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 basically want only banned movies. If, if you don't cross that line into into that realm, it's a,
3: it's a good career move. If you yeah. can get your movie banned, you're successful. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, it'll be seen. Like I, I mean, I've said before, by 18 guys named Dieter. <laughs> <wearing> <laughs> which I think
2: just got his uh, a touch of same band.
0: Yeah, we'll talk uh, about well, that. Well, good but for that, him.
2: that's I, you know, I haven't seen the movie, uh, but I heard it's a very good one. But there are other movies that are banned that are not good. But I I totally not agree with what your friend said. Uh, There are great movies. Of course there are. That has nothing to do with politics. Right, right. Let's
1: talk about great movies. So, you know, uh, I think we had a couple of questions prepared, Kaiser. Do you have a favorite film this year? And what about an all-time favorite Chinese film?
2: Well, this year, I think your friend is right. This year's best movie so far is No Man's Land, which had been banned for four years Uh and just released with a very, very bad uh, last three minutes, tagged on. It's so obvious that the the last three (laughs) minutes was added on (laughs) as a compromise to the census. But, you know, you can just disregard. uh, So uh, No Man's Land and the director is? Uh, Ning Hao. And Ning Hao, he has this Cohen Brothers-like sensibility, uh, the black humor. And he said it in this... No man's land without law or ethics. And he just showed the darkest side of humanity. And uh, the movie is so good uh, that it has grossed uh, more than 200 million yuan. Oh,
0: so, wow. I, I really need to rush out and see that yeah. then. So that's your, your pick for 2013. What uh, about if you my, have an all, all-time favorite Chinese film?
2: Well, my all-time favorite is either Fairway My Concubine, yeah. uh, made by Chen Kai-ge, or Raise the Red Lantern. Oh, those are both excellent. Yeah, right, from well. the same period.
0: You're not going to get much controversy around either no. of those, and everyone pretty much agrees that those are both but know, there But there, there is
2: a, uh, one film ma- Chinese filmmaker who is serious, underrated in Europe. Uh, her name is An Hui. Uh, uh, she's a Hong Kong, Hong Kong filmmaker. Uh, An Hui. Xu okay. Anhua. I, I don't uh, know she her. makes great movies uh, with Chinese aesthetics, and are also about Chinese ethics, but it's so Chinese that it's, it doesn't really uh, cross over. To a Western audience, because it's very subtle. Right, yeah. Kaiser.
3: Can I bring up my question about of course. The Chinese dialect? Because you just said she, it's a Hong Kong movie, and you even used Cantonese when you gave us her, her name. So oh, well,
2: it's, it's her illegal I, name. I understand. I, I
3: understand, yeah. but the point, I, the, the, the question I have is, when we talk about Chinese film. It seems like 90% of the time what critics are talking about are the great, you know, the, the mainland China. China.
2: In the old days, yes. But uh, in the past decade, the, especially the, the period covered in my book, it started being integrated into one. Hong Kong cinema and Taiwan cinema and mainland cinema. Uh, but wait, 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 wait. In terms wait, of Ray- money but wait, and culture, but wait, even wait sensibilities.
3: Raymond, wait. They were always, Hong Kong film was always there. You said you yes. said recently Hong Kong film was always there. Even Taiwan was having you know films uh, long before some of the more, more famous ones lately. I'm just I'm just my question is when to what extent do we lump these films together as being Chinese and in and in what sense are they Chinese in sense of the Chinese diaspora in, in sense of the Chinese sensibility What is it we're talking about and why do critics usually only point to, to PRC films as Chinese film until recently?
2: Well, I mean, uh, in the old days, uh, a Hong Kong film is very clear. It's a Hong Kong film right. or Taiwan. The same for Taiwan film. All those but, John Woo movies. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. in the in the past decade, it's really difficult to 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 pinpoint like, oh, this is a Hong Kong film. Uh, like Cui Ha's film, right? Used to be hung, typical Hong Kong film right. Xu Ke, And nowadays, the the kind of movies he made with mainly money and with mainly talents, and the story is set somewhere, you know, in the nowhere mainland, right. in, the, in the in the ancient China. And even the sensibility, that Hong Kong way of using uh, uh, very grassroots wit, mm. that, that's changed. It's more and more integrated. It's not just a censorship thing. It started as a censorship thing. They tried to avoid all those pitfalls. Uh, but gradually, I think, you know, there are more and more movies that that are made with talents from all over the Chinese language uh, uh, area. And you—you, you, it's very difficult to say it's a Hong Kong film or it's a Taiwan. There are still Hong Kong films and Taiwan films, but fewer and fewer by the year.
3: And because Hong Kong films can infiltrate now into the mainland market much more easily. It's, it's than not they used counted
2: to be. as a, an import. Yeah, uh, Taiwan films right. still counted as import because okay, Taiwan, Taiwan imposes a quota uh, uh, on mainland films and vice versa. Uh, like *A uh, Bell* is a typical Taiwan film. It's mm-hmm. about Taiwan history, but uh, all those you know rom-com, romantic comedies with say, Zhou Jay Chow, and, uh, you know... Shu the, 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 Qi. Shu uh, uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Qi is in so many Melon movies. Like, right. yeah. I, mo- most of her movies, um, you know, if you have to categor- uh, separate them, it, uh, they are Melon movies.
0: Yeah. I tend to like her old work when she wasn't wearing... Much. Like <laughs> the old <laughs> pornographic <laughs> films, I know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, um, I want to get back to what we were talking about earlier, but I mean, I, I'd always thought that there was some, some, uh, a dilemma that Chinese filmmakers face, that they can either go down the path of the mainstream, go after box office, and 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 uh, you know do some relatively harmless romantic comedy. You can insert some elements of dark humor into it or whatever. But or they can go that festival route where they they, they do something that's deliberately provocative, uh, and they 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 get that that imprimatur of banned in China, which is sort of a, a guarantee that you'll be shown at all these festivals. Uh, is that the stark choice anymore? Do you think that there are, are there's a third road now? It still exists. Uh, you still yeah. think that this uh, is a there dilemma? Are,
2: there are uh, people who make movies, and you know they obviously uh, the target audience is the European Film Festival jurors. Uh, well, like but Summer
0: Palace I, I <laughs> comes to mind. Which was <laughs> did you guys see that? Did you see Summer no, Palace? Yeah, I saw yeah. that. I what saw did you think it. of it, David? I thought it was tedious. I hated it. Tedious. tedious. I really. I, I had to subtitle that damn thing. It was just. Yeah.
2: I skipped over the sex part. It's and you know That's nobody can watched. believe that. It's like a, <laughs> a movie with sex that people want to skip over.
1: Right. I mean Raymond. I yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> anyway, it's
2: just boring. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was
0: extremely boring. I mean, um, I I feel like that uh, the author or the the filmmaker had had simply read a little too much Milan Kundera and just decided to superimpose that on China, uh, and it, it just there was this this. Kind of absurd, absurdly false pretentiousness yes. to it. I mean, think
3: just... the problem with the film is it, in fact, was, was consciously directed to an overseas audience. It yeah. was directed to winning a, a foreign an film an festival. Ha- That's overseas, all. Overseas
1: and art, art House in yeah. particular. Not yeah. so That's what its dancing. problem was, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: But is there an indie or an Art House film seen in China? Yes. There
1: still is.
2: There are, there are some good movies uh, coming out every year. Uh, not every one of them can make their way to a major European festival, uh, but uh, there are good ones, and they are becoming less, fewer and fewer because uh, it's more difficult to get funding. In the old days, you can sell on the investor saying, "Oh, you know, I can, I can win an award in in Europe and sell." And nowadays, the prize in from Europe is a curse. Yeah, if a film, a small film, wins a prize in Europe, people we'll see, oh, it's a boring film. Right.
0: Yeah. But I mean, in the old days, there were there were films like Man Jing and things like that. Oh. Well,
2: *Mangjing* is a is a good, really right, good, right. Film. A good film. Right, Even launched the career of Wang Baoqiang, China's yeah. you know, uh, simpleton savant or whatever. Simpleton savant. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, he he is. Is, is he really he, that way? He is one stupid. of the biggest stars yeah, in China, wow. and he always plays. The same guy, right. The same guy. Yeah. And he's the reason why Lost in Thailand is so popular. So let's talk about that movie. You said that that was the biggest
0: grossing Chinese film of all time. Yeah, Lost in Thailand.
2: Yeah, about 1.2 billion plus. Only slightly behind Avatar, which is still the all-time biggest, money, uh, uh, highest grossing film in the uh, the Chinese mainland. But in terms of attendance, uh, this one... Actually, beats Avatar because Avatar is in three D. And,
1: and describe a little bit the story and the you know what what it's about. It's a,
2: it's a romantic. Uh, it's a it's a road. Uh, it's a buddy movie set on the <laughs> it's road. It's a buddy movie. Yeah, set yeah, on the road with movie. one blue collar worker and a one white collar worker. The white collar worker is you know after this big contract which is going to bring mm-hmm. him billions. And the blue collar worker, uh, played by Wang Baoqiang, is satisfied with, satisfied with his life and is just you know having a pleasure trip uh, in Thailand, and they just keep bumping into each other and yeah. having this you know, uh, hilarious kind of things. And uh, actually, it d- does say something about current values in China because it, it, it hints the message saying that you know, we are growing so fast, perhaps it's better for us to stop for a while and enjoy
1: life. And w- people have compared it to Hangover, and some have suggested it's I think that it's much better than a hangover. rewrite of Hangover. Well, hangover is it, was terrible. Yeah. Is it, well, it's, it, it's, I mean,
2: its slightly similar to Hangover 2. It's no, because it's got the all, Thailand thing. Yeah, in okay. Thailand theme, but you know, it's—it's it's much better than Hangover. It's also, I think. Uh,
3: succeeds in the fact that the chemistry between the stars is actually very good. Yes. It's not just the premise is good. It actually works. And I think that's important for a screwball comedy or for a a road picture.
2: Well, there's some credit should go to uh, Hollywood because uh, this is the second film with Xu Zheng and Wang Baoqiang. The first film is called Lost on the Journey which is almost a Chinese remake of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Ah, it's wow. a comedy yeah. from the 1980s. I remember it, it's yeah. Steve Martin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the one with Steve Martin. Was it John Candy? John Candy. Yes. That's right. Yeah.
0: right. Wow. Yeah. Hey, so um, let's talk a little bit about your book. Um, tell us a little bit about how you've structured it. What what can a reader expect to find inside it? Besides, I mean, you've got a lot of little capsule reviews of movies, and you, you, it's 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 very interesting the way that you've structured it.
2: Well, th- this book uh, this book is uh, uh, actually designed for both. People who want to see more Chinese language films, mm-hmm. and also who are interested in getting into the uh, industry. Because I, I go to all those festivals and see all people from all over the world who want to dip their toe into the industry and you know get make some money out of that. And there's there are lots of pitfalls like co-production. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I, I hopefully you know from this book they will get a snapshot of what has been happening in the past decade and and get to avoid some of those things that that's going to cost them tens of millions just
0: for 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 purposes of the show can you name one or two of these major pitfalls what are the things well that
2: co-production the, is a co- major co-production has always been uh pitched as uh the holy grail it's mm-hmm. like uh, east meets west and <laughs> it's going to be something great something like conf panda Right? Uh-huh. but Kung Panda is not a co-production no, Munan is not co-production right. Lost in Thailand and uh, 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 Finding Mr. Right which in Chinese, the Chinese title is much more interesting, Peking uh, Beijing meets Seattle it's set in the, uh, the States but it's not a co-production uh, when you do a co-production you have to satisfy all those uh, requirements from the two sides and you tone down you, you essentially take all the edges away and you make the movie boring, and well, I studied almost all the co-productions from the uh, from this period, and I cannot find a single one that can be successful in both markets. Right, there's I'm, not even I'm, one.
0: Hmm. I'm trying to think. Have there been any yeah. that have been successful? Karate
2: Kid uh, Karate was Kit successful too, right. in the states, but not in China.
0: Oh right. Yeah. Why why wasn't that well received in China? I, I but, my, my kids really like it.
2: <laughs> well, the Chinese audience thought it's too shallow. It's too predictable.
0: It is shallow. It is yeah. predictable. But I mean, the...
3: but that's what makes a great Hollywood movie, doesn't
0: it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do you find that that um, I, I, I guess most people would would describe Chinese film as having been in decline for for a while? Um, you know, down from its. With the great fifth generation filmmakers, uh, I mean, most people, if you talk to them, they, they will cite. Uh, I mean, I've asked you, I ask mean, what are your favorite Chinese movies from
2: probably you... twenty years ago, right? Yeah,
0: they're probably like you know twenty years old, right? Yeah, what are they?
1: Well, we're gonna I'll, I, we're gonna do that in recommendation, so I'll keep that. But and I'm also not a good uh, sample person. Neither and, am I. But I, I mean, am as well sort of reacting so. against popular culture in certain ways, and films are one of them. So
0: okay, so just leaving that aside. But I mean, do you? But do you? Do you generally agree that you think that the that films have been in in decline? What Raymond? Well, do you, do you th-
1: <clears throat> the films that I watched before I came to China in the first few years mm-hmm. I was here. <clears throat> Outstanding. Were outstanding. I mean, they were truly outstanding films. Um, and now I kind of feel it's nice that there are things that are more human, you know, romantic comedies that I can relate to are out there, but th- there doesn't seem to be anything to match the achievements of the 80s or maybe even 90s. Yeah, you're
2: talking about a film like Concubine. Sure. That kind of height.
0: Judo or raise the
2: red lantern. Maybe I'm just an old fart. Uh, Well, it's I I think uh, you you guys are probably influenced by those film professors in. Oh, I I don't know. I've never (laughs) took a film class.
1: (laughs) All across the states or Europe. Uh, No, that's not the case. No, you know what it is.
2: You know
3: what it is. Partly, Mm -hmm. it's it's when you're a new director and you're you're trying to break out. You're working in a low budget. And you don't have a, a, an apparatus behind you, and you don't have a bunch of producers pushing you one way or the other. You just do something that's creatively interesting. That's it's true. Not just of Chinese films. Lots of directors have been have made yeah. great, you know, uh, beginning films, the first few, you know, and then once they get co opted, they get, uh, you know, their style gets copied. Then they just go to shit. That well, happens it, all the
2: time. It, that's what happened to Sangmo and kai Yeah, But exactly. Honestly, uh, there are very good good movies uh, 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 in the past decade. I recommend uh, one hundred. Movies, Chinese language movies in my book in a very long appendix but not all of them are good I'm I, I used noteworthy movies not You're like must see you you yeah, should not see working. them yeah not but half good. of half of these movies I chose because of their artistic value the other half because they were say blockbusters they were influential they were event movies but artistically uh, you know otherwise they were not very good but I, I you know I sped it out there clearly.
0: Well, I, you know, I bet our listeners would really just like to hear what some of them are. I mean, I, I think that, that's what I would, if I, were, if I were on the other side of this, I, I would want to hear, You know, what are some great movies? What, is, what does the Roger Ebert of China say? <laughs> the, the great well, there's this
1: top five of the last... Very, decade. very
2: difficult film called The Sun Also Rises, which uh-huh. has yeah. nothing to do with Hemingway. Uh, it's made by Jiang Wen. It has four um, parts that are deliberately cut. It's actually one story, but it looks very disjointed, and this movie is is what I. What's the being, Chinese name? Uh, Qi. Why have I never heard of this? Uh, it's from two thousand seven. I, I, I thought, remember seeing that. I, know, one I think of your I favorites. saw billboards. No, no, no. uh, and uh, yeah. you know, the, this movie you can watch it, and from a Freudian point of view, and it's it's totally about a man's journey. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, and you can can use a political perspective and see. Chinese history from the uh, past, uh, half, past half century.
0: Basically, yeah. I, I think I can say with confidence that I have never seen anything that Jiang Wen has touched in any way That's that not is gold. not great. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. just basically my favorite that, th- This I, is, I agree. you know, I agree.
2: it's a commercial flop because the movie, right. narratively, it's so difficult to understand. But if you use um, kind of intuition and try to, to, to feel it rather than understand every plot point, you know, you, you'll get a lot of the things. Oh wow,
3: wonderful. that's a characteristic of his other film, which I know that we all, I think we all like, is Rang Fei. Let the bullets, no, let the yeah, bullets yeah, fly. Let's talk about yeah, Rang yeah. Fei. which is wonderful.
0: I understand you had a really long heart to heart with Zhang about about Rang Fei because every time I've seen it talked about, there, there, I mean, there are a whole bunch of political glosses out there. A lot of people who 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 have it's tried a Rorschach to Rorschach sort of, test. Exa- that's what, exactly the word yeah. that I was using uh, with with Raymond earlier. It's a Rorschach test about. You. Politics,
1: which is often but, the sign of a great piece of art, I suppose.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But <laughs> interestingly, what does John Wen actually well, say? uh about it?
2: Wen uh, uh, gave this uh, exclusive interview uh, after the success of Let the Bullets Fly, because I was about the only film critic who praised uh, the Sun Also Rises, and he 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 thought that I I was the one who understood him, the you know the the implied meaning and everything. And he he talked to me for three and a half hours and. Wow. I, 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 asked almost every question I could find online, including those, all those political impre- uh, interpretations. And he said, you know, I'm not going to correct them. That's not what I meant. But every audience member has the right to do whatever they want. But it's too narrow. Hmm. He said it's too narrow. So
0: and he didn't offer his own, he said, this is my uh, intent uh, here.
2: In the minds of a lot of people, politics is the you know the ultimate thing, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the most popular version uh, of interpretation is uh, the two characters, the nemesis. Uh, one is Jiang, uh, one is 相 is 相相 One, is, 解释。解释。one 解释。is Mao Zedong, right? yeah, right. He said, "I value art much higher than politics. All these people are going to be forgotten. Say 500 <laughs>
1: years from now." Art is not good. good art is good. good to <laughs> Unfortunately, I think yeah. he may be wrong there. Maybe. <laughs> 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 Can I ask? Since I would like to actually bring up one of my favorite films, which is is also a Wu'er joint called Yang Guang. Yang Guang灿烂的日子. Which uh, I, I love was that just movie. trying to. What That's is the English name Daniel. of it? doesn't it have an English name. Yes. Yeah. It's called In the, in the, heat, heat, of the heat of the Sun. In yes. the Heat of the Sun. Right. <laughs> so, I, what do you think about that film? I mean, to me, that one of the things I thought was so wonderfully human about it was that it it portrayed a very tumultuous time of Chinese history mm. in basically a coming-of-age story. Yep. Um, and it reminded me a little bit of, of sometimes being, you know, of growing up in South Africa, say, and people sometimes in the outside, you know, in the 80s apartheid and there was all this shit going down and, you know, how intense was it? But in fact, when you're a teenager, you're just having your life. Right. And um, what do you know about that that film? It's and,
2: still the best uh, coming of age film in China, uh. at least in mainland China, you know that's that's almost agreed on by everyone, uh, it's a, every sin, uh, cineast in China. But the funny thing is, in that movie, people can pick Zhang Wen's political inclinations because a lot of people say Zhang Wen is a, a, a great admirer of Mao Zedong, and I made a point to ask him that question, and he said uh, it's not exactly true. It's it's. Uh, 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 he he said he's going to uh play Mao Zedong in some future biopic, bio <laughs> but he he doesn't agree with some people who totally denigrate Mao. He mm-hmm. he used very subtle words, and I tried to put down all the, the tones in my, uh, in, the, in the transcription.
0: Okay, yeah. excellent. I'm going to have to visit that, that that interview. That sounds like...
2: Th- there is so a great. very interesting pause, and that pause was not added by me. It was in the original conversation. Uh,
3: can I ask a question going back a little bit to cens- censorship, but it's something I've never quite understood about Chinese film, that there's so many films, including Jiang ones. Jiang and he made this film called Guiz Devils on the Doorstep and then got into trouble for it and then i think it was at least if bet not outright banned it was it's not, banned it was banned. It's still yeah. banned still banned okay yeah. right i don't quite understand how sarft and these films making a film is a bfd i mean you have to have lots and lots of money you have to have a script a it takes yeah. months and it's months like a BFF.
1: And yeah and, and you have yeah, exactly <laughs> where's this come from BFD. anyway sorry Carry it's, on. it's it. a it's a big
3: <laughs> so anyway so but so my question is how do people what's the calculation here that you can actually get so far as to get the film in the can and then suddenly you find out oops Sarft is not going to approve it how is that possible no, in this no, day and nominally
2: and age? It, nominally you have to get approval from SAFT for, for the final screener. cut before you submit it to a foreign film festival but and not John, a, not the script level not the, the, the final the, just the a, final the final film. And That's you cannot you have are. two different endings or different versions. Yeah. It has to be one. And Jiang Wen, for doors, uh, 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 Devils on the Doorstep, he violated that. He sent it uh, to, uh, I forgot, to it's, some film the festival. Venice. Venice without of France, without, without getting that. For, oh, oh. And he was never pardoned for that. Uh, but okay. things are getting better because a Touch of Singh didn't get the final approval, but he, it got approval to go overseas. What? sarft yes. banned it in china
3: but let it go overseas
0: no
2: no no uh, it was banned way after that the the, the there's this confusion uh, outside right now if, saying because jazanka has been saying the movie has been approved by sarft yes uh-huh. it's it's not exactly true the movie was approved by sarft to go to the film festival in Cannes. oh uh,
0: okay so it was but not to to Khan, for but- not for domestic Commission release.
2: For domestic, and release. so what's the status of it's for domestic? Now release. it's totally banned. Now you cannot even mention <laughs> the name so in the Chinese Chinese press. That is just so so ridiculous. That, that's the highest level of banning.
0: I, I could walk 150 meters and go buy it in a DVD store. Yes, shop
2: there, that's right? no. That's it's ridiculous. not available. Not, yes, not available it, yeah. in a month from now. That's naughty yeah. okay, Kaiser. by pirate okay. pirated but films. It, it, <laughs> it, the, 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 actually, banning a movie. Is the most fi- effective, efficient way to promote it. Yes, exactly. Right, but it's point. also the most effective way of, uh, killing every commercial opportunity the movie will, will, might Would have, have in had. China. But yeah. Jia Khan's movie normally don't make money in China, so for him, it's not really this loss. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Incredible.
0: So, right. I mean, because who who can really sit through Zhan Tai? <laughs> I, mean, I, I couldn't actually. I mean, part of it was just that I couldn't understand them. I mean, he always does
3: these Fang Yan films, and I have such, such trouble understanding them. He and and purposely like long shots without camera move, just long s- still shots. Yeah, right, you know, right, right. it's It right. like, bores you on purpose, I think. Yeah, yeah. sometimes I feel. I well, feel like...
2: Well, all those French it's for detail uh, listeners it's for detail. out there yeah. that they don't represent me. It's for, for <laughs> <laughs> because it's for Dita and all him yeah the, the French, French love him, him. they yeah.
3: love Jerry Lewis too so they're not always <laughs> correct about it <him.
0: laughs> well I mean uh, he uh, <laughs> Actually, I want to I want to I want to ask one more question um, we had uh, Alison Friedman on the show not too long ago who, who, who does um you know who who talked to us a lot about the modern dance world and uh one of the things that she talked about that I thought was really interesting was the fate of these state owned dance troops or song and dance ensembles like duvan mm-hmm. uh in the era of reform and opening when when government support is no longer available to them uh, and they have to sort of you know go out there and face market forces what what about what about the big production companies like you know baying about you know well like obviously Japan in
2: the old days like thirty years ago everything was on by the government, right? right? But uh, the film industry started losing script in the late 80s and early 90s. Right. It start, the first step was to uh, not monopolize distribution. Uh, in the old days, you, you make a movie, you sell it to the only distribution company in the country uh, for a flat fee. So it doesn't matter whether a movie makes tons of money or loses <coughs> money. It's not your business. So you, you were given uh, a task to make movies. Right. But that started to change in the nineteen nineties, but in the nineteen nineties, the film industry took a nosedive. It went from the late seventies, I think it's uh, thirty billion uh, attendance admissions, to like uh, less than one percent of that. Wow! So God. the the market was totally wiped out, and it it was Hollywood movies that were imported on the revenue sharing basis. They're, that revived the industry, and it went on kind of struggling for a couple of years and the only about the only Chinese filmmaker who contributed to the, to the industry was Feng Xiaogang because Feng Xiaogang came out with this you know some call it shallow comedies that were loved by a lot of people he and, sui pian. yeah, he sui pian, which always debuted at the end of the year and and then uh, starting with hero uh, two thousand two two thousand and two. China came back with a vengeance. With a with roar, with yeah. tons of money to, to put like a dozen stars in one movie. They tried to make expensive movies to compete with Hollywood movies. That was the strategy. But the strategy kind of declined uh, uh, starting from The Promise made by Chen Kai. Right. It, was,
1: it was a movie hated right. by everyone. Yeah, it was, it was by bad movie. everyone, right? And also,
2: you know, then uh, uh, made, made the banquet was
1: <coughs> Raymond. I think th- that movie actually was what prompted the remark that you once mentioned to me on this show. When I said that there hasn't been a decent Chinese film made for the last <laughs> yeah, 20 I, years. I, yeah. I know. I know that. <laughs> I think know,
2: it was that. Yeah. Film. The promise, uh, <laughs> the, the promise left a bitter taste aftertaste, but you know, uh, uh it doesn't really represent every Chinese movie. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. Let's,
0: let's talk about Chinese movies that we do like, um, um, and, and maybe we'll, we'll go out on this instead of having recommendations, uh, Let's just all talk about some some of the movies that we love. Let's start with you, David. should you name? A,
3: a couple that you... well, there's so much. I mean, there's so many art films. I'm I'm really glad to be you know because I, I do I admit I go and buy the the, the bootleg bootleg DVDs. Sure. I sometimes investigate a movie I wouldn't go to the theater and see it. And some of them are actually fairly re, uh, respectable um, entertainment films. They don't try to be political or anything. But one one person and we get into this Hong Kong thing that I've been following uh, partly because these are things I watch with my daughter is uh, Zhou Xingqiu yeah, <laughs> Kung Chow. Fu Stephen Chow this yeah. thing and the latest one I mean uh, he's the pioneer in this style that they called mm-hmm. Wu Li Tou yeah which can what do you translate to just to you as,
0: know right? absolute silliness I mean, Zany, yeah. it's
2: Zany. very Zany. close to jim mm-hmm. carrey's early yeah, years. yeah 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 okay.
3: but but his latest i think it's his latest one is just called Xiyou, journey right? to the west yeah Conquering it's not qi, but it's a retelling of of, of of the journey to the west right yeah. obviously yeah. and you don't even realize it until the movie gets going that who's who and f- at fact in the beginning. But at the end of this film, this was Wu Toe in hyper-steroids. I mean, it was yeah. unbelievable. My daughter and I looked at each other. I mean, I think the final scene had, like, um, the monkey king had turned into a giant King Kong. <laughs> and then uh, and uh, Tang San had turned into a, the Buddha the size of the earth. And all this weird stuff was happening. And my daughter and I looked, my daughter looked at it. smoking some really uh, good
1: Exactly. Dope. My right. daughter
3: looked at me and said, Daddy, are we hallucinating or something? Because <laughs> it was so yeah. bizarre. And I thought this is a new kind of art form. This is not imitating Hollywood humor, and it's not imitate. It's not just like spinning in a rut. This was a new thing. It was un. It was a new kind of wooly toe. It's like this will be seen as you know groundbreaking and a new thing. We don't. We can't even imagine what it's going to go into into the twenty first century. Well, it's I num- loved it. I it's loved the it.
2: number two uh, highest grossing Chinese movie in history. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean it's. It's pure fun, has nothing to do with, you know, yeah. deep things. <laughs> and the
3: great thing is it, it always fools you at every single step of the way. You think you know what kind of a movie it is. You think, oh, I know it's going to happen. And it violates your expectations yeah. at every turn. He's, he's,
0: he's, he's very, he's deeply funny. But I mean, don't
2: I mean. take your underage kid to see it because it has some very violent scenes okay. oh, my
3: daughter's 16 so it's okay right? yeah,
1: yeah. Jeremy what do you have well I just wanted to recommend I think probably the least known Zhang Mo film called Yo Hua How How I think the English is Keep Cool right yes, yes. yeah, yeah yes. Keep Cool and it's a sort of low budget I think it's shot on hand with handheld cameras yeah, much, even yeah. very shaky and it's just this kind of high jinx These two blokes. Uh, I I mean, the story, there's not even any point in describing what happens, but it's just a very funny film. Really, very, very Beijing. Very Beijing. uh, Beijing, It represents this kind of earthy, kind of uh, slightly macho, swaggering northern Chinese humor that I find quite attractive and that I wish Zhang Mo would have gone a little bit more down that road instead of mm. the mm. route of pomposity right. and carrots mm. up his asshole. Um, so <laughs> well, that's my recommendation. His
2: producer rescued him from that because that was his low point in Korea. It's, right. it's, it's, it's like a, a sitcom. Uh, Keep Cool is very much like a sitcom in, in terms of structure, narrative structure. But it's a lot of fun. But it was
1: time. the low point of his career. Uh in terms <laughs> of making money.
2: Yeah. In making terms of money. money. Right, yeah. right, right, right. And Zhang right, right. Yimou has a
3: little bit part in it.
2: Well a bit nowadays he can like, you know, you know.
0: Now he can afford seven children, so hey. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, yeah, he should remake the sound of music. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was great. Oh my god. Um I'm gonna
0: throw in a, my a couple of, of, of films that I, I particularly have enjoyed. Um one of them is you know, everyone knows judo, and everybody knows you know Hong uh, Yang and everybody knows um, Raise the Red Lantern. I mean, but the Zhang Yimou movie that I really like from back then was Choji uh, Da Guan Si. I don't remember what year that would have been. That would be like ninety
1: ninety six, yeah, ninety
0: six yeah. or so, right? Uh, which is subtle but deeply funny. I feel like that's a, kind of a, a a. It's one of those movies if if you aren't if you aren't really already familiar with uh, the Chinese style of humor, you're just not going to get it. I mean, this is a movie that I've I've shown to to some of my American friends, and it's just it, it it's completely lost on them. They don't get. I mean, I'm in stitches at some of these parts, and they don't see at all what's what's funny about it. It's super dark, but deeply funny. Uh, it's about a woman played by Gong Li um, from a, a Dongbei peasant fa- family who uh, pursues a uh, it, it basically she's a petitioner she, her her husband is kicked in the nuts by this local official and is then unable to perform and so she decides that she's going to go after him and it's just her going through layer upon layer of bureaucracy um it, it, it's just it's so funny it's 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 sort of kafka-esque in a in a certain way
3: but it's and, and go only plays against type yes. because yeah. she doesn't play the yeah. glamorous no no,
0: no no she she plays she plays this kind of Slack jawed yokel. I mean, <laughs> yeah. really, I mean, it's tool. But, yeah, she's really t- yeah. but she's kind of down. Yeah, yeah, she's she's great. She's awesome.
2: Only um, in the last shot did you suddenly realize that this woman was actually quite gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. When when, when she turned back. When she turned back at yeah.
0: that frozen last shot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the oh, she's just drop dead gorgeous. Yeah, yeah.
2: that that's that. I think a lot of people consider that movie her best performance Yeah She's great in it
0: Uh, She's so beautiful And I'm gonna also recommend a really obscure one from the 80s that that I actually saw when I was in the States one evening just on some late night art television channel It's called uh, The Girl from Hunan Xiang Yu Xiao Xiao xiao." Do you remember that
3: one? That's that's in a lot of film classes. That's required viewing in a lot no, of it film is. classes. Yeah. Okay,
0: I didn't. I had no idea, but it's gorgeous. It's shot really beautifully, and the story could have been written in the May Fourth period. I mean, it probably yes. was written in the May Fourth. I mean, it's a standard sort of condemnation of feudal uh, Confucian society. Um, I and mean, uh, it's about a a beautiful young woman in her teens who's married to a, a toddler, to a you know a, a basically a, a two year old boy. And so, um, she naturally, you know, being being a, a young, beautiful woman, she ends up having an affair uh, with a guy, and all the evils of that superstitious society emerge in the wake of this. And it's it's a brutal movie. It's it's truly brutal. At the same time, it's very beautiful. Uh, so I, I would highly recommend that. Um, you know, I, I I think most of the other ones that that I uh, that would be on my all time hit list are all movies we've already talked about, like Guai and but maybe one one more would be um, Gu Changwei's first directorial debut. I mean, his de- directorial debut. It's a movie called Peacock Kung Chue. Mm. Uh and if if it's out there, I mean, I I subtitled that one actually, um, and the re- the version I saw was almost four hours long. I know it got really severely cut, but the 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 long version of it was so much better, it really got all the I mean
1: four hours yeah it's it's pretty good but it's the guys he was
0: you know he's Zhang Yimou's cinematographer and yeah. so you know from the cine, cinematographic perspective it's just it's it's gorgeous I mean everything is lit so well and shot so so well in a naturalistic way great great film. Though. Okay, and then we've saved little last for Raymond.
2: Well, I'm going to recommend two. One is uh, Jia Zhangke's "Still Life," okay. which won the Golden Lion Award in Venice some year, uh, 2007, I think. Mm-hmm. It's about the migration of two million, three million, I forgot of of uh, people f- from the Sanxia, the Three Gorgeous area of the Yangtze River. Wow, and that was a uh, 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 an episode of Chinese history that was really too glorified in, in the newsreel that you don't get to see the, a real picture of what's, what, what happened on the human level. And Jia Zhangke miraculously captured that uh, spirit, that the, the sadness of leaving one's hometown. It's almost a quasi-documentary, right? Uh, well, he did make a documentary at the same time, but the documentary is not half as good as the feature film. The feature film, he uses you know, non-actors, So it has that documentary feel. The other film uh, is currently in running for the best foreign uh, language picture at the Oscars is Feng Xiaogang's Back to 1942. Oh, right, from about the Hunan Famine. Yeah, it's about uh, 3 million people being starved to death in uh, Mm -hmm. 1942 um, on the eve of Japanese uh, invasion. But the real message is not just to, to revive this piece of history that's almost forgotten by every Chinese, but to hint at other episodes of Chinese right, history. This is the three and bad so years. And so that's right. a, a, a way that Chinese artists use, you know, a, 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 a type of innuendo uh, suggestions to tell stories that they otherwise cannot tell, frankly. And he uses so much political wisdom and savviness to convey the things the original cut has the last line saying i asked my grandmother who went through that ordeal like you know about the year of, of the famine and she said i don't remember there have been so many oh wow and the census were so smart they cut that line <laughs>
1: yeah
0: yeah Anyway, thank you so much, Raymond, for coming on. On and that
1: we'll note, show. we're going to shut this discussion down <laughs> <Let's> immediately. <laughs> yeah, thank, let's you, go. thank you for giving
2: me
0: the chance. Yeah, It was wonderful, and uh, I hope to have you back on again soon. David, thanks as always. And Jeremy, um, happy holidays to all our listeners. I think that I'm, I'm going to be in Taiwan uh, next week. Uh, spending the holidays with my family in the Renegade province uh, <laughs> I think we have a couple in the can though so there should be shows coming all through the holidays So uh, we will see you on the other side and take care